boys and ghouls, once again, it is I, Kevin Tracy. And I'm Samantha Tomlinson. And welcome to... And I'm still... Oh, yeah, no, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say I'm still not good at accents, so... Well, <laughs> anyway. welcome to this week's spooky episode of Movie Reel, where we're still going through our history of horror. This year, we're stopping in 1954 with the classic movie Them by Warner Brothers Pictures. Yeah, this movie, um, I, I mean, I did, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it way more than Nosferatu. <laughs> um, well, it's, but, it's, you're comparing apples and oranges with these two movies. Yeah, yes. But in terms, it's, yes, I know, I know. But in terms of just, I, I obviously am not really a horror person, but I definitely enjoyed it. It didn't really, it wasn't really scary it was more like it's kind of there are there are stuff that i know for an audience member would be a jump scare or i'm like oh that's this is kind of creepy but it wasn't anything like really overtly terrifying i wasn't like no no it was like kind of that fun scare where you're a little bit in suspense and like it it wasn't yeah it wasn't like anxiety filled like it was yeah no this is definitely like the kind of movie that's just definitely just like this is just like a movie that's just fun to watch and just munch popcorn through it. it. It just, it keeps you engaged enough to find the entertainment out of it. And it's a really interesting movie because this is definitely more of a cautionary tale rather than an actual horror movie. And it, and it goes through this movie very methodically and is told in a very matter of fact way. Cause it's, you're more or less going through like a, police investigation through these various disappearances and murders and break-ins until we reach the conclusion of this impossible outcome of mutated ants that have been exposed to radiation from the original atomic testing in 1945 in New Mexico. It It is very methodical. Yes. Like, very, very, like, I, I don't think I've, it, I don't really think I've seen a ton of things that are done like this where it goes through. I have noticed, I've noticed it more in like books when things are very like it's going like step by step on what the characters are doing. And it was kind of, it was kind of interesting to watch it, watch something like that. Um, Especially because yeah, they're handling it. They weren't going insane or freaking out about what they know. They're like, okay, what do we know about ants? But I will actually, there was a scene though, when they were, was at the white house, they're at this meeting and he's literally, uh, Dr. Medford is showing them a video on ants. (laughs) And because of his accent, it literally just looked, it was just like a You're watching a documentary on ants for like Uh, two minutes. Like that went on for a little bit too long. For the fifties, like that was actually fairly standard of, um, in terms of like giant like monster movies or, or monster movies that have of something like mutated into something, that was actually a fairly standard scene to more or less like tell the audience the dangers of something that we consider to be like like harmless or like fairly common to well, if you like make this thing bigger and put it above the food chain then yeah this thing is terrifying and that's actually like a fairly standard scene of just a scientist telling 
politicians the actual danger. And it, and it was actually kind of funny because um, Dr. Medford, uh, Dr. Medford Sr., the, the, the father um, played by Edmund Gwen was, I didn't realize this, he plays the Santa and he plays Santa Claus in the original Miracle on 34th Street. And I didn't realize that until yes. uh, doing a bit of research on this movie. Um, yeah. And I got to want to bring up. So uh, Peterson, who's the like New Mexico, the New Mexico. Yeah, James cop, Whitmore. Who he's Brooks in Shawshank. <laughs> he is. Is he? And I, I like came across, and I was like, huh. Like, I was like, oh, I, that's funny. I didn't, I, cause I thought he kind of looked, I think everybody in this looked familiar, yeah. but like they all, but like I, other than, yeah, like all other than, uh, Medford and, uh, Peterson, none of them were in anything that I, yeah, knew of, um, but so, so <laughs> let's actually kind of focus on the cast a little bit. Um, uh, there was uh, Robert Graham, who was the FBI agent, who was uh, introduced later on when uh, Peterson lost his partner uh, due to having to leave to, to call it in. And uh, they call, they brought him in to kind of figure this out because one of the earlier disappearances or deaths was an FBI agent. It's like, oh, well, now they're involved. Um, so Robert Graham was played by James Arnez, who uh, is probably more known for his portrayal as uh, the lead in uh, the show Gunsmoke, which he was actually recommended for the role for that by uh, John Wayne after seeing him in this movie. Yeah. And uh, there was also uh, a very short scene with Leonard Nimoy where he's in, he's in this movie uh, completely uncredited before, um, he did anything Star Trek related as a, a yeah. like staff sergeant, uh, like an army staff sergeant intelligence officer, where they're scouring through all the various news bulletins of anything that could be like connected to the the missing ants that they're looking for. Um, he, he's in the movie for like I'm a looking co- for oh yeah. oh my god I'm looking it up oh my gosh that's him that's yeah crazy. no like I didn't recognize him like at all and when I pointed that out to my dad I was like oh that, that's him it's like he 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 didn't re- recognize him either um and apparently there's also uh the main guy from Fred's, IG Fess Parker yeah. yeah yeah the the main guy from I Dream of Genie uh is also in a small uh, uncredited role. I didn't see him in the movie. Oh, um, but yeah, the, there there were several like fairly big name actors that uh, had small roles in this, and this this was just a yeah, really yeah. fun movie, and I, I really enjoyed the casting. I, I think my favorite character was probably Doctor Medford, and just some of the lines that he delivers are he he kind of is a bit aloof in terms of like following like certain rules like him in like the helicopter like oh you need to say over it's like well she knows i'm done talking <laughs> like, he, he kind of acts yeah. like a, a toddler at times but then he delivers like lines of just like very serious importance that have like a lot of gravity to to the situation and he, he really brings a lot of seriousness and credibility to this uh, through his role and his his, uh, his take on it, and I I absolutely loved him in it. I I liked him, and as well as his so his daughter, 
who's the other doctor. Yeah, uh, Pat. And, she, and there's a scene in particular that I really like the two of them because they're, they find the, uh, like the anthill, like the, like the, the mound. Yeah. Like they're, yes, the mound. And they're, they want to go down and well, they dropped, they, uh, they dropped something in there. They're hoping, obviously they want to see who, if there are any of the ants are dead or all of them are dead because they're, they're worried about the queen. They know a queen has, they're worried about the queen yeah. because if she flies off and lays eggs, that's bad. So they go there. They all want to go down and, uh, Graham, Robert Graham, who is the FBI agent, he doesn't want her to go down because he's like, no, there's no place for a woman. And she's like, no, you need me because you you need a scientist down there. I can't explain to you. It's gonna be too hard for me to explain to you what we need for what we need you to look for. So just let me go. And uh, her her father, Medford, is like, the thing is, he's like, he's saying, I didn't volunteer her. She wants to go. And as a scientist, I can't tell her not to go. And I, I really like that a lot because of course his concern comes more from being a father, but he's not going to stop her, not because of her gender, but just because of her occupation. He's like, no, yeah, you need her. She needs to go. And I just, I appreciated that. I like that scene a lot because it's like, I thought it was interesting how he was, uh, he was con- kind of compartmentalizing his uh, struggles as a parent, as well as, well, just you know, general as, safety, she is a scientist. Yeah. yeah, she is a scientist. I can't, I can't tell her not to do this any more than I could tell any other colleague not to do this. Yeah, to or not to do this. So, um, yeah, I did, I did like him a lot. Um, I liked Pat. There wasn't really anybody in this to hate not really no there wasn't really any villain but other there than there was no um, real human antagonist yeah it, everyone pretty much just stuck to their roles and yeah i, I really enjoyed uh pat's kind of sticking it to uh robert graham because a lot of the times whenever there's like a a, a female lead in this they're they're usually just kind of sidelined to a romance subplot and they kind of yes. poke around with that with like her and and uh robert graham but it, it doesn't really um they don't they don't focus on that at a, a lot or really at all there, there's just like a couple moments of like oh you worried about your father like oh don't worry like We'll, we'll, we'll figure yeah. this out. And it was just like a very few like spread out moments like that throughout the movie. But like them sharing like a glance, like, hey, you be careful out there. It's like, oh, don't worry. I will be. But yeah. it, 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 they don't focus on like like them as a relationship. They focus on the problem first and then second. They're definitely like the side story that is kind of off to this. It, it's def- Yeah, it's off to the sides and, and it's not really... Uh, pursued more than it needs to be, which I really enjoyed. And a lot of movies kind of focus on that more than it needs to be. Oh yeah, and I to- I totally agree. And I I thought that as well as I saw that, but I kind of was wondering like, was it just they were giving making it very very light flirtation and just had never attempted it to go more, or was it just that they planned to? have it maybe go more and they just kind of didn't see it through. It seemed like it could have been either of the two. And I, I agree that because I feel like if this was made today, that would have been like a major side oh, absolutely. story. Yeah. 
or it would have been like a like a triangle between her uh Ben and Robert and 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 yeah Ben Peterson so and I but also at first because when I first when we first met her and they do like make some like they do make a comment because they weren't expecting a woman doctor. they weren't expecting a woman (laughs) doctor and and they the only thing though that they do say is that like I hope she's the kind of doctor that treats sick people because I'll have the flu for her. Like that's the only yeah. thing that they ever yeah, say. Yeah, it's like, oh, they it's never... like, oh, I'm getting a fever. <laughs> yeah, that, that's literally like that... the only kind of like passing remark uh, that they, they kind of throw at her. The rest of the time it's just them focusing on the ants and the, the very brief conversations that her and Robert have. I was really impressed that it wasn't more. Yeah. I, I you know, I was very like, it's, it was really progressive, um, which was very refreshing for, you know, a 50s movie or any movie before, like... Yeah, yeah, because this came... I know. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. this came out in um, uh, 1954, uh, and it was produced by Warner Brothers Pictures, and when this movie was initially pitched to them, they uh, passed on it, and they only picked it up because Paramount Pictures uh, wanted to pick it up, and the thing that kind of confuses me about this is because um, the year before uh, Warner Brothers produced the movie The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, which is a very popular and very well done science fiction movie that kind of deals somewhat along the same themes as, as them. And I, I was actually kind of debating on whether or not I wanted to pick that over them because uh, they do kind of uh, deal with like the dangers of like the atomic age of man and like man versus nature um and that was like very well received and it was the biggest movie that warren brothers made that whole year uh so so it was kind of confusing as to why they didn't want to try to repeat that success with uh, another science fiction movie that kind of dealt with a lot of the same themes uh because they, they literally only picked this up despite paramount because they didn't want them like poaching their movie uh and it was also really interesting because this movie was originally, they were originally planning to shoot it in 3d. Uh, so that's why there's like yeah. a lot of close up of the ants and you see like uh, the army firing their flamethrowers into the camera, which I don't know how they did that, but that, that seems really sketchy. Cause like, they don't have like a lot of the same uh, technology that like we have today of like, you can safely do that. Like, I, I think they would actually have to fire it out of a, a camera and like splice it out before it hits the camera. <laughs> so I read that too. And they had 3d back then. Yeah. Oh no, that was a very big, like gimmicky thing back then for, for B movies. And um, in the, like the opening title, the, the, the title card is in uh, red and blue. Uh, so I think that was supposed to be like jump out into the screen, out of the screen and, being yeah. 3D because that's the only uh, thing of color in the the entire movie. The rest of the movie was shot in black and white. Um, yeah, it it was supposed to be shot in color, and then they yeah they, they scrapped uh, that side. Yeah, and they they just kept the title, which I kind of liked it being black and white. Yeah, uh, I don't really not that it would have really I don't think made a difference if it was in color. Um, but yeah, it. Uh, I had also read though that like with but going back to the like the flamethrowers yes. that they were using actual military milita- military 
<laughs> I can't military stop. issued flamethrowers <laughs> on loan from yes. the U.S. military. Yes, and all of but all of the uh, people that use them were veterans and had been trained and knew how to use. Yes, them. Um, so it was like oh, yeah. So so okay. so James Whitmore. Um, I actually looked this up. So James Whitmore, he was a lieutenant in the United States military, and I think he was discharged due to medical reasons um, in forty six. Or something like that, like near the end of of World War II. But yeah, he he was um, he was a lieutenant in the United States military around that time. So uh, he was allowed to safely use a flamethrower as well as other uh, military equipment that they did use for this movie. Because there, there there was a lot of like military equipment. Like they had uh, various jeeps, they had helicopters, planes um, on mm-hmm. loan from the U.S. military, and for the most part, yeah, that's also kind of standard. Like there was a lot of um, B-roll of like uh, various like troops uh, like mobilizing, and it, it just seemed like this was the movie that kind of like set that standard because this the, this and the Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms uh, kind of set the uh, like atomic monster like giant monster kind of craze. Um, definitely more so the Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms because that was like uh, directly influenced one of my favorite monster movies godzilla which came out the year afterwards um which not a lot of people remember that that uh the beast from Twenty Thousand fathoms came out before godzilla and godzilla is known as the king of the monsters but there were monster movies that came out before it but not that many people remember that hmm i uh so yeah i this was my first time watching this movie But I knew about it because uh, when my sister was in, like, high school, I think, she and my dad would occasionally, they watched, they watched old movies more, it was kind of the equivalent of, like, me watching a bad movie (laughs) today. They just looked at it as it was a bad movie because it was old. Oh, lame. (laughs) <laughs> they so like they um so like my sister when i said we were doing this movie she said oh just watch ant-man and ant-man instead and i'm like <laughs> what and then she sent me like ant emojis and i'm like uh spoiler because you had me watch part of the trailer yeah. and then re- like was like no wait stop because it just spoils the entire movie yeah the trailer i found straight up just shows like all like the major like action footage and like pretty much just spoils like the entire climax of the movie in the trailer that i found um which i'm not sure if that was like the original trailer they used for the movie when originally promoting the movie or not but yeah it it pretty much just spoils like the entire thing and i i I realized like halfway through, it was like, oh no, wait, I don't want her to know it's ants. <laughs> like I didn't realize that they were going to yeah. show the monster because you, you don't see the ants for like a good, like I want to say like 30 minutes into this movie, which I really enjoy because they definitely focus on, they, they definitely practice the principle of less is more for this movie. Um, oh yeah. And oh, I, they yeah. use it spectacularly in this movie, in my opinion. I think, yeah, the best I think the, I guess, you know, most air quotes scariest part of the movie is probably the beginning just because you don't know what this is. And, you know, a lot of the, 
a lot of these people think their first thought is that there's some homicidal maniac out there. Yeah, but which the- which I feel like is more terrifying to think <laughs> of that there's some ho- that there's some homicidal maniac like running around the desert. Uh, but yeah, in the so the very very beginning, you have yeah these two cops. So Peterson and what was his partner's name? Uh oh, I'm drawing a blank. But yeah, it was. Peterson and his partner. Yeah. And they're they're driving around. There's a helicopter. They're looking for they're looking for the girl. Well, they're just doing like a random oh, like uh like patrol <clears throat> patrolling of the area and the their spotter plane just happens to find this little girl just wandering like aimlessly in the desert. And this was actually kind of a a, a goof because the little girl is is Bristly walking in a straight line and is only found three miles from where she escaped the trailer. And but it said that she escaped ten to twelve hours earlier when the initial attack happened. Uh, so that would mean that she would have a walking speed of zero point two five to zero point three miles per hour for her to make that make it that far. I mean, she okay. Well, she is when they do find her. She's completely unresponsive. Yeah, she she's and in shock. doesn't she like doesn't barely blinks or doesn't blink. She won't. Yeah, she's in complete shock and terror. And so I can believe that she may be like she. I I, I really want to know how she escaped because I'm how she survived that and no one in her family did. Well, I th- is crazy, but I, I not, not that like she, but like I'm just yeah. wondering how how anyone could have escaped that so i think they kind of i I think they kind of alluded to that when um peterson is like examining the trailer like the for starters like the entire like door area is just caved out like the entire thing is just pulled to shreds like there's cabinets and debris everywhere but when uh they're examining like the bedroom it's relatively in a decent condition and he checks like the cabinets underneath the windowsill and he notices some fabric that has been torn off from her robe that she's wearing and like a piece of like the the head of her porcelain doll so i think it it that's just where she hid during the attack and then she just kind of wandered out a little bit afterwards oh okay because i can totally buy that maybe she was in so much shock that she just maybe was kind of frozen or didn't move at all. Yeah. And then just got up and walked away. I can, I mean, I don't, I'm not, I, I don't know, but I can kind of, in terms of the timeline, I can totally believe that she was in so much shock that she probably just didn't move. I don't know. But yeah, yeah that is she, they find her, she's completely unresponsive. And they, this part I did think was a little, this is when it did start to get kind of creepy was when they uh, they have other officers looking over her like campsite. It was a trailer. Yeah. And they and there's uh, one guy there who's trying. They find this weird footprint and they're trying to make a cask out of it. And they hear the um the, the they keep hearing the the like calling and it's the ants like calling yeah. to each other. And they're like, "What's that?" And then they hear it again. Is it the second time? And the girl like. And she's in the ambulance and she like sits up and they don't notice this. She sits up in like extra terror and then just like lays back down. Yeah. And they're just like, huh, that's weird. What is that? Oh, it must have been the wind. 
And I'm like, that does seem creepy. And then they eventually discover that the owner of a nearby general store. Yeah. Yeah. He's also found dead and his partner stays behind while uh, Peterson goes to call it in. And then he hears that calling again, turns off his light, goes outside and we just hear, ah, yeah, you you just hear him like shooting uh, like three or four rounds before he just screams in pain. Um, but, uh, going, going back to like that, that, that shrill kind of like calling that, uh, the movie does, um, they apparently use recording of like a tree frog that's found in like the Southeast of the United States. And so that's, that's a, that's a frog call. Apparently, uh, I don't know if it's like a mating call or something, or if that's just like a standard noise that they make, but that, that is just a very eerie, uh, sound that they picked, and I, I absolutely love that sound that the ants use. Um, it, it does kind of get a little, it, it kind of wears its welcome out towards the end because it's literally the only noise the ants make. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's but, very yeah. spooky. It, you don't really know what it is because it sounds uh, otherworldly. It, it just has a very unnatural sound to it, but at the same time, it does sound like it would like it's a natural sound but it's not something that you would like hear in a desert or something like that and it could be very mistaken for the wind or like a piece of machinery not working or it it just has a lot of different explanations on what it could be than what it actually is which i think makes it creepier because there's so much mystery to it of there's multiple explanations on what it could be but no one knows for sure yeah and i I agree that it definitely kind of loses the effect, the fear effect by the end, because obviously by this point we know what it is yeah. and we're seeing the ants. It's only creepy in the beginning, like the first act when we don't know what this thing is. And it's, I just did love that scene when we first see the ants. Yes. So they're <laughs> out, uh, they're, they're out and they're just the way Pat is sitting and the camera is positioned and I'm like, Oh, so we're about to see the ants or what you're about to yeah, see the yeah, monster. It, it, and then it just comes up. It, it's very it's clearly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very clearly like, okay, something's going to show up because they're leaving a lot of open space for the camera where they're pointing at nothing. Something's going to show up here and they're already making the noise of what we know is supposed to be what's killing everyone. Cause it killed uh, uh, Ben's partner. So something's going to show up here. And I remember thinking that when I first watched this in like middle school, and it's like, okay, something's going to show up. I, cause at that point I didn't know what it was. Um, but it was just like, Oh, this is going to be exciting. Cause at that point I like fell in love with that movie by that point. Yeah. Cause it was just, they, they, they focused a lot on less is more by that point, And it definitely kind of had like a similar thing to jaws of, we think it could be this, but we don't know. But I mean, whereas in Jaws, like it's very clear, like, okay, this is a shark. We just don't know how big it is. And then we get the, the reveal like halfway through the movie of like, okay, that's how big it is. That is a scary looking shark. I don't want to mess with this. Whereas in this movie, we don't see the, the ants until I want to say like roughly like what you like 30 minutes in. Yeah. Like it, it's I, like a significant yeah. chunk of this movie. You don't see the ants until they want you to see it. Yeah, and pretty early on, I realized 
this is what they wanted the 1998 Godzilla to be. That sense of we're going to not share what we, I mean, we we obviously know it's Godzilla, but in terms of trying not to share with the characters what this is and realizing like, you know, try the, that aspect of it, I realized this is how they were viewing it. And then even like the end, like they're, how they're searching. It does like you're saying how methodical it is. And they're trying to base this off of what they know of ants and how there's a queen ant. She will fly off and she will lay eggs. And we got to find where she is, where her, she's laid her eggs. And that kind of, you know, that same yeah. Godzilla had that same element of theirs. I, I- don't think Egg I somewhere. ever made the connection of that. I, I, <laughs> that, that, I, no, that, I don't know. No, no, I, I completely agree with you. I'm just like kind of surprised I didn't think of that because I'm usually the one who thinks about Godzilla all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I thought of it right away. I, in the fact that, yeah, we don't know what this is. And there's, that's the, the mystery, the beginning, the mystery and the science attempting more less but more in this less in Godzilla yeah. of the scientific aspect of trying to figure out what to do next um yeah. because ants are yeah i mean whether an ant is like its normal size or a giant mutant it is still an ant and going to do what an ant does D- yeah yeah the, so, uh, yeah, yeah. And they kind of explain in the movie like the only like difference in the ants uh when when they eventually um find the nest and like gas it with cyanide and they discover the egg chamber the only difference that they show was that the ants don't when the ants hatch out of their eggs they don't go through like the larval stage they they just grow into uh they, they're basically just born as an ant and then they eventually grow in size that's the only uh difference in like the ant like biology that they uh, say in the movie and they say that pretty quickly but it doesn't really seem like it's that big of a uh, detail to focus on because for the most part you, you're not really dealing with the eggs you're like the, the problem is the actual ants themselves not the the, the baby ants because we never really see the baby ants we do only see like a few like unhatched eggs which they just burn immediately and I, and I kind of want to point out the the scene where they first like go into the uh, egg chamber after they've gassed it. There's just like a bit of like residual gas like around their feet, giving like this really like spooky like fog effect, which I really liked. But when they went into the egg chamber, it reminded me so much of the first aliens when they find all the eggs. Uh, and I, I want to say like that that's kind of like an homage to them, but it, it definitely I felt like this movie had a lot more influence on in pop culture than people realize because both of those scenes um, taken out of context are extremely similar. Like they're even like destroying them with flamethrowers and machine guns, like in the end of the second Alien movie. Uh, it, it was just very interesting and I, I really enjoyed it of how this movie was so unintentionally influential for its its time that people don't seem to realize where this originated from. Yeah. Um, I can I can definitely see that. It was in terms of 
as as far as again, I don't watch a ton of horror. monster movies yeah. <laughs> and horror, but like as far as this goes, it is very everything is very planned out and very organized in how they're dealing with this problem, as opposed to just running around screaming in terror. Yeah. And I did I did like that a lot. Something though that I did notice, um, I don't know, you might agree, you might disagree. I felt the characters, I did like the characters, um, but I was also, I wasn't really given any reason, other than things they were doing, like, you know, Peterson's last act was to save the, two kids yeah, from the, the ants, then, and he died in the process. Like, I, there, I wasn't given any, we weren't given any reason to hate them, which was fine, but I did kind of feel that the characters came off to me a little two-dimensional. Um, especially when characters would die, it seemed like they just kind of moved forward. There yeah. wasn't any drama over it. And not that I would expect, like, a big overly, like, like sappy, like, goodbye. But it just seemed like when Peterson's partner dies there didn't really seem to be much repercussion other than the fact that, you know, Graham starts working with him. Yeah. It it just, it just seemed like he just moved on. And I'm like, I thought there was going to be more of like, he hasn't, he hasn't come back yet or I haven't gone. We, what, you know, like some realizing that, Oh, he was killed by the ants. They just kind of, I mean, I was knowing he had to figure, obviously he knew yeah. that's what happened, but it never really showed that side it didn't the characters weren't as uh fleshed emotional out and fleshed out yeah yeah that I, I i i am gonna have to agree with you on that that is kind of one of the the flaws with uh movies like this is that they have to focus a lot more uh attention to the situation of the monsters and have to explain to the audience as well as various like characters in the movie like such as like all the politicians when they're giving like that slideshow the actual gravity of the situation that it does kind of lack on character development which i think is also part of the reason why the like relationship between pat and bob wasn't really fleshed out as much because they didn't have time to focus on it so a lot of movies kind of fell into that kind of same formula as this movie because it's pretty much set like the standard for like uh nuclear monsters and like giant bug monsters from like the 50s and onwards of focusing on the situation at hand and the monster and kind of leaving the characters to sideline but only giving them enough characters to kind of give them like their name a brief description about themselves and their motivation and outside of that they're not really given much personality outside of that yeah it was just it was everything was just like so methodical that the character development wasn't required or necessary yeah. because it's irrelevant to the plot i which... I, did, I i will have to disagree with you for one character i felt like uh dr medford he was probably the most fleshed out character because there were times where he was like really giddy and excited, but then he was also really uh, like serious and like wasn't telling like uh, uh, Graham or Peterson what his thesis was because he kept saying like, I hope I'm wrong and I 
I don't want to tell you guys because I don't want to intentionally start a panic. But if yeah, this is true, this is the scientific discovery of the century. And and he's yeah. both excited and he's also like really like cautious about it. And I, I just really like that because he does kind of have like a, several moments where he is kind of childlike and stubborn of like not wanting to follow the rules on the the helicopter like PA system or or him like not using the goggles and just being kind of like aloof and forgetful. Um, yeah. But being very like dedicated to his job to the point where like, all right, I'm not going to be like much of a people person. I'm going to leave that to my daughter to kind of pick up my mess if I kind of do so- do or say something that I probably shouldn't be doing or saying. Yeah. And no, I, um, I agree about, I definitely, I agree with that. Like he was definitely the most fleshed out. It was more uh, Peterson and Graham. Like when, especially when, yeah. So when Peterson's partner died and when Peterson died, I thought there would have been some, a little bit more drama or well with, with uh, his partner that could have just been added to the mystery, but with uh, Peterson, it could have been like a personal thing. Yeah. Like, no, they don't him and Pat and uh, uh, Graham don't know each other that well. But he did, they have worked together for, I know, what's the timeline of this movie? It's at least a couple weeks. It's a couple weeks, but they they kind of say like, oh, this nest is probably like several months old. And they never established like when uh, the two queen ants left. Um, The queen ant that was on the ship, which... I, I really like that scene because it does kind of follow the example of less is more. They only show one scene where the ants are briefly attacking uh, some of the sailors as they're sending out an SOS signal. And then it's said in like a debriefing, like the next scene later, it's like, all right, the ship has been sunk. The We've only rescued two survivors. And the only people who know about this event are the people in this room and uh, the people on the SS Menford who sunk the SS Viking. Um, but yeah, they, they never fully establish a solid timeline of when the second Queen Ant escaped and left to establish her colony in uh, the spillways in uh, L.A. Because the only person who's telling them that he's seen the ants is uh, like an alcoholic patient who said he's seen them for a long time and he's been there for five months. So we don't know if he's seen them for the entire five months that he's been there or he's only seen them recently. Yeah. And I actually do really love though. It is a little open-ended at the end because uh, they, so Medford concludes that this is because of the radiation from the atomic, the like practice atomic bomb strikes about nine years before. Yes. And so that fits into that timeline. And at the very end, they're like, it's over. And he's like, well, I mean, as far as we know, because yep. the fact that this happened, it could have happened to other animals. It could have, there could be more ants that worry just haven't, you know, we don't know as, but in, as far as we know, it's done, but there's also no way to know for sure. Yeah, and, because and, what happened out there? And and that's literally like that one sentence of dialogue at the end of this movie, like that brief exchange at like the very end of the movie, is one of the reasons why I picked this movie for this episode because it set the standard and more or less left it open ended for 
anyone and everyone to make movies that kind of fit within this category of when man entered the atomic age, we have messed with nature and opened a door that no one knows is on the other side. The possibilities are endless. We just hope that we are able to face those dangers when we when we are confronted with them or, or something along those lines. But he says that with like, yes, I'm happy that we were able to destroy the ants in time. We were, we were able to prevent all the nests from reaching full maturity and, and causing devastation that would wipe us out within a year. But he does leave us with that warning and kind of falls into like that whole cautionary tale that this movie kind of gives off that we don't know we don't know the full dangers of a, a atomic testing that that we've done we don't know the dangers of the nuclear radiation because it was brand new at the time it's only been around for i don't know 9 10 years at that time yeah so it it, it definitely kind of helped inspire various directors to kind of create their own take on that it's like because after this movie, there was a huge surge of giant monster movies and especially giant mug, uh, bug movies. Like we had uh, the Black Scorpion, Tarantula, the Deadly Mantis, and uh, then it jumped species to um, uh, there was uh, Godzilla and uh, various. Pr- and that kind of created like a whole like prehistoric like resurgence of dinosaurs showing up, being awakened from their centuries long slumber <laughs> by the atomic radiation because it was similar to how the atmosphere of Earth was millions of years ago. And it just kind of steamrolled and snowballed into this whole cultural thing that the entire decade was just saturated with uh, monster movies that more or less followed the similar plot or reasoning of nuclear radiation either woke up or created this unspeakable horror that we now have to deal with. Yeah. Um, it, it's definitely, I would say this is a really good, I think anyone can watch this. I think it's a really good, like, I, I can't, I mean, I know it is technically a horror film, but it yeah. for me when it comes to horror i there's other things that i look for because i don't want the scare to be like i can't sleep i want it to be more part of like it's fun <laughs> and it makes it entertaining so i something about this that i loved is that this kind of also ties in with like a mystery like they're trying to figure out because they're they're trying to figure out okay who is this girl? Where did she come from? Okay, here's where she come from. Who are these people? Why are they here? And then tour as they um uh Graham and Peterson are following a lead, they end up in Los Angeles trying to track down um who was it? It was like a it was a man and his two sons and he often t- he takes them out to go yeah do stuff. Yeah, it was um they, they they found they there's this woman there who's like reported her husband and her two her her husband and her two sons missing um because they didn't come home that day he he misses shift for work and he's only takes his kids out for like a couple hours on sunday because his work is like so busy that he has no time to spend time with them otherwise and uh so they literally only kind of stumble upon these leads by accident through various like reportings that 
It's like, okay, we're going to focus on like missing persons, unsolved mysteries. And uh, they, they have like the bulletin that like military intelligence is like scanning like the entire country for of like, all right, if anyone reports like anything within the, this category, like send it to us immediately and we'll verify whether or not if it's an actual lead or if it's just some ramblings of an insane person. Uh, cause, cause they do find, uh, like a, like a, like a crop duster or someone who yeah. had to like maneuver around, uh, one of the queen ants and, and her, 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 uh, mates and he gets locked in a, a mental asylum and basically is like, like, no, I know I'm not crazy. I know what I saw. I saw, uh, like three UFOs that were shaped like ants and, of course, like our heroes, like believe him. But when they they leave, it's like, all right, our government would appreciate if he kept is kept locked up because he could be a potential danger to himself and the general public. Make sure that no one comes in to see him or talks to him. We'll let you know when he's better and you can release him. Because the doctor initially is like, oh yeah, I was actually going to release him. This is clearly just a stupid publicity stunt. There's nothing wrong with him. It's like. No, there is something wrong with him and the government like he, he emphasizes the government would appreciate it if he gets take the proper treatment he deserves and we'll let you know when he's better i, yeah. I really liked that kind of like shady kind of like men in black kind of kind of vibe to it yeah um i did yeah uh so actually you want to bring out the the guy the crop duster guy is fez mm-hmm. parker who i think it was because of this movie but he eventually goes on to star in the in Disney's Davy Crockett, and I think I oh he did yeah I think it was I think it was because of this movie or it was I, I think like that's what I it was something that I read I don't remember because I I oh, watched it a yeah, few nights no. ago so yeah when I, I I'm looking that up right now when Walt was looking for an actor to play the part of Davy Crockett he screened the sci-fi movie Them and discovered Fez Parker in the process. Yeah, this movie is so we talked about this a little before, but this movie is just filled with people that will ended up doing bigger and better yeah. things afterwards. Like a lot of them. So like Fez Parker, Leonard Nimoy, um uh I don't the actors that played uh Graham Peterson, like it's uh it's it's kind of it's yeah. almost just kind of like funny like oh huh, you're gonna be in yeah this. well well horror is actually like a, well I, as I kind of said before horror is like a really easy movie to or is a really easy genre to make uh to to make it, it's just very difficult to make a good horror movie yeah but when it's done it pays off and that's actually how like a lot of people get their start. Because as I said before, like Jennifer Aniston, uh, George Clooney, uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, like all of their first movies or like one of their first movies was in horror. So it, it is a really good stepping stone to kind of get into the industry because it's a good way to show off your acting chops and kind of add something to your resume. Because almost everybody has like a really crappy horror movie in their IMDb page. (laughs) Yeah. Almost everybody. It is impossible to avoid a horror movie, especially a bad horror movie. Yeah. Um, And it it is just really interesting that this was such a big milestone, both for like the subgenre of 
bug monster movie, giant bug monster movies and monster movies at the time and kind of catapult the career of all these people like James Arnaz, uh, Robert Graham, like went off to do Gunsmoke for 20 years after this, after this movie. Uh, and, uh, you know, Fez Parker, Leonard Nimoy, uh, James Whitmore ended up doing a bunch more stuff. Uh, Edmund Gunn, Dr. Dr. Medford ended up doing Miracle on 34th Street. I don't know if that I was think before that was or after, before. but he was... I think that was before. Uh, oh, it was, it was I think before. it was okay. the 40s. But, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, like everyone was either like well-known or ended up becoming well-known through interactions in this movie and the connections that they made because of this movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I actually want to talk more about that scene that with the crop dusters, the crop duster scene. He, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, I agree. There was kind of that men in black like thing. It's not like you're keep it, keep, keep it on the down you're, low. <laughs> you don't know what you're dealing with. So we got it because yeah, like I mean, even in Men in Black, there was like a line about how people are a person is smart, but people are dangerous, dumb, and dumb. panicky. Yeah, dumb. D- yeah, and I that and the thing is because yeah, he and there and Fez Parker even says to them like, okay, I'm. Because he says, like, oh, I know you guys don't believe me. And and Pat's like, actually, we, we do believe you. <laughs> um, and he's like, oh, do you think you guys can, like, put in a word? Get me out of here? And they're like, oh, yeah, totally. And the second they see the doctor, they're like, oh, yeah, uh, keep him keep him locked in there. Because I, and I understand they know he, they don't trust that he won't keep it a secret. And, yeah, but I, I kind of thought right there... Because, yeah, there is a uh, aspect of it that comes off a little shady. And I kind of thought that would have been a interesting. It would have been interesting if any of one, if even one of the characters was like, kind of like against, against that, that or like he's locked in a mental institution. Like, can't we like, I don't know if there was some kind of friction. Um, so, yeah, there, there are a lot of parts in this movie that I just feel like there could have been more, a little bit more conflict. There could have been a little more drama and it just kind of was because it was just so orderly and methodical and just we following everything step by step. There just wasn't room for any of that. And yeah. Yeah. There, there, like there were even like scenes where like, Oh, we're going to like, uh, like when they find the nest in um, the Lo- the Los Angeles spillway, it's like, all right, so we can uh, flood this with uh, gas and we can burn anything through. It's like, no, 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 we can't do that. There are still like the two kids unaccounted for and they, they could be in the nest. And it's like, you want to risk the safety of the entire city just to find two children? It's like, well, you can go ask their mother. She's right over there. It's like, oh, I see what you mean. All right, we won't do that. And like, that's the end yeah. of that. So it's like, like I felt like that could have been like way more room for for like confrontation or like some like a little bit more drama on like the the like our leads and like that one like uh, uh, lieutenant and like have like the mom slap him for even suggesting yeah. an idea just to add like a little bit more drama and like more gravity to the situation of this isn't just like a search and destroy mission this is a search and rescue as well yeah and I I agree this is why I feel like the first act. I really enjoyed just because it was so mysterious and we don't, we don't know the unknown is the driving force and, and is what is scary. Whereas in the final act, the 
we now know we have all the information and the realization of they basically find they find a model plane and they check and they realize it does belong to one of the kids and it's it's the same one and it's not at the house yeah, it has and, to be them and they and, and they also discover like tire tracks and it's like oh right this matches uh uh what's his face's car so like they were definitely here and that realization of okay let's say the dad tried to protect them and he dies but where do the kids go and they realize oh my god they went into the tunnel so i i just kind of then yeah by this point we have all the information and now it's just we got to use this to solve it and i i just i love and they yeah. all it's there there is some tension at there is te- definitely tension by this point um and yeah when what if by that only honestly when they're going in the tunnels and he's like crawling through i'm like it's becoming kind of like chamber of secrets here <laughs> and, and <laughs> actually there were a couple because this is this was in la at this point they're in that uh i don't know what do you call that like where the tunnel is like I'm like, uh, is that like the, the like the actual like riverbed? Yeah, I was like, is this from like, is this the same spot from like that ending part in Greece? Like, oh the yeah, it is. <laughs> I was that, like, that is at, like that that scene where they they filmed it. They used that for hundreds of movies later on. Like from I think Greece to Transformers to Drive, just to name a few. I'm just thinking. I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if Chinatown was one of them. I don't know. It's because it's got that L.A. look and that's shot in L.A. Uh, probably but. like like. It's that same if spot you, that's been. It's in every. It's in every it, movie it, that's in L.A. It, yeah. If if you're fil- yeah if you're filming in L.A. It's basically like standard practice that you have to film in that riverbed at some point during your movie. <laughs> even if it doesn't call for it. Nope, not even a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's like You need a shady drug deal uh, under the bridge over there. You need a car race. All right, we'll clear this thing out. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I I just I the. When they're they crawling through, he finds the kids, and one of them just looks so like oh unresponsive. Like one of the, like the, one of the kids just seems like a really bad actor, in my opinion. Oh, is he it the one that didn't not... respond? Yeah, like yeah. I don't know if it was like if this kid was supposed to be in shock, but like the other kid is like like shit his pants, scared. It's like all right, this kid's on to it, and this kid like no emotion whatsoever. Like he doesn't look like he's in shock. He just seems like uninterested that he's even here. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, he could be, yeah, he does. I'm like, is he in, I thought the same thing. I kind of looked at it more like shock, but I did notice that one looked genuinely terrified and one didn't. And, uh, so the ants apparently, so you never see more than three ants at a time. Yeah, Because they only, they they only only made made three. They only made three. And so, uh, but like they, I mean, that's what they're looking at, though, right? It's not like th- those were actually there. It's, I mean, it's the fifties. Yeah, so no, it's those not... were actually there. So, so I, I did hear from like a conf- like com- conflicting like reports that they did make a fourth ant that was just the uh, the front half, and then they had multiple like puppeteers, like engineers, like operating like the individual like antennae and like the manibles and like all the other things because the other ants, when it's like the full body ones, they're not as mobile it's just like their like legs are moving and like their mandibles and like that's pretty much it yeah but apparently they did have like a couple or like one or two of just like the front half because there were a few times where you only see like the front half of the ant like when when you first see it it's just like the front half and then you don't you don't see it until like it's dead um but yeah that did surprise me that they only had three ants for this movie because 
almost all of them get hit with a flamethrower. So it's like, wait, did they just extinguish that super quickly and repaired it? Or did they have, like, body doubles for the ants that they could torch? Yeah. Because almost every single one of these ants gets hit with a flamethrower at some point in this movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> like a, a few of them like get shot and are like gas like okay well we can use that for the next thing when they get hit with a flamethrower but you see them get hit with a flamethrower more than three times throughout this movie it's like they must have extinguished that really quickly or they are really good at building these fake ants i didn't even think about it i was just like there were there was a time when there was one and there was a time when there was more i of course yes it would have been way more terrifying if there was like like tens like hundreds but obviously because these were made and this was a lot of this was practical that oh like this was 100 percent practical yeah so i mean it, that would have been very not impossible just you know that yeah. pricey and i like i get why it's three i just i didn't think about it until <laughs> I, I i read that and i was like the, okay yeah the the only thing that i i feel like could have like definitely like made that scarier in terms of like the like huge scale of the ants like like you do see like a lot of like the dead ants like when they're going through the first nest after it's gassed um which is really creepy because you do get to see like a fairly large scale of what these ants are capable of like how big the tunnels are how many dead ants there are and how many eggs there are uh which i really enjoyed but the the only way i feel like that movie could have pulled it off of actually seeing like how many live ants there were would be if they did some kind of like stop motion effect, like uh, like the Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms, which came out the year before it, because that would that would have definitely had been possible. Because I know they did something similar like that on um, Voyage to the Moon or something like that, or uh, the Mysterious Island, which had various giant bugs and insects and animals. So it it would have been possible. I just feel like it would have added a lot more production time uh to the actual process of making the movie and probably would have been very extremely time consuming and pricey uh especially if they had ray harryhausen who was basically like the master of that yeah Uh, but for for what it was i very much enjoy it i love the practical effects in this movie and the way that this movie is carried out i feel like is how it would have been carried out in real life i feel like there would have been a little bit more tension and conflict especially between um the characters and the government because like he's just like a beat cop from new mexico and for some reason they drag him along throughout this entire process like he's wearing like a military uniform at one point they're they're having him fire bazookas and flamethrowers like okay why is this beat cop from new mexico being brought through all this including like these like top secret like military briefings in washington dc yeah like i get he was like like i get he was like the first like responder throughout like this case but like why is he so heavily involved like i understand why like the fbi agents here and like the doctors are here because like they're the experts and he's like the federal agent like in charge of this but why is this random beat cop from new mexico being brought along as well like i guess he can be like a sort of like consultant but like he's like leading the investigation along with graham yeah because his i mean again he's just a like a cop and everyone else is way higher up than him and yeah if this was made today or at a different time there would have been more conflict they would have tried to have keep him out and he would have forced his way in like 
there are definitely, like I said, there are definitely parts where you can see where the conflict could be. And yeah. I, yeah, I think as an audience member, I think I kind of thought that a little bit of that too. I think as an audience member, you kind of just accept he was there. So they're letting him in. But also I think there's a difference between, because he said his, they asked him at a meeting, like, do your superior officers know? And he said, no. And cause he's like, I was told for total secrecy and not to disclose yeah. anything. So I think if he hadn't see, it's one thing of him just being on the scene because he did go before they had let Washington know because he was one of the first people to actually see giant ants. He, yeah, it makes sense. Like, okay, well we don't want, we can't let we're, tr- they're trying so hard to not let this information out that I can understand. Like, I mean, he's already was dealing with it. Let's just keep him with us. There's really no, re- so, you so, know. So, okay. I, I kind of see where you're coming from. So, so they basically like kept him, close to make sure that he didn't spill the beans well not just that i mean that makes sense not just that but i think he would have wanted to have joined this like task force anyway i mean like he was with uh both both the dr medfords and graham when they came across and realized oh it's a giant ant and then they let washington know if they had let, if they had known it was a giant ant before he knew, they probably wouldn't have have him come along the entire time. But because he already yeah, knew, makes, it doesn't didn't really wouldn't have really done anything to keep him. Yeah, out. that makes sense. So he basically just he was in the right place at the right time, and it was just way more convenient to keep him in than rather than push him out. Yeah, because yeah, like we said, it was just okay. the FBI involved at the time, and then Washington got involved once they knew what they were dealing with, but. But at the time, it was just FBI and a cop teaming up, and a couple. Yeah, yeah, they they were just investigating like the disappearance of a coincidental FBI agent who was on vacation with his family. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, no, I, I I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not, and it, yeah, it's it's so I think I don't think it's weird that he's there, but I feel like based on his status, they probably I don't know. I could totally see like them saying like oh you're not needed anymore and then like uh pat or graham are like trying to convince no no he like he we need him like you know and and they did because he's the one that found the kids and ants are coming and he pushes them through and and you know so i yeah he a selfless hero he sacrifices himself to save the kids and then he dies like five minutes before the movie ends and no one really I mean, no one really cared. They like killed I mean, the like, ant and like, then just kind of moved like, on. <laughs> like Robert like shows up and like, oh, like medic, and then he like turns to the guy who said it and is like, he shakes his head because it's like it's too late. He's already dead. Yeah, I, I mean, you would. It's like, I, I, I think they were kind of more or less going along the lines like, there's no time to mourn. We got to finish the mission. Yeah, but they're still kind of, and without even saying that, there could have been that like, you know subtext you know i didn't really feel i i figured that's what it was but (laughs) there wasn't a moment that would imply that yeah they 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 definitely took the less is more kind of approach a little bit too far at times and i feel like that was one of the times where it's like okay i feel like this needs to be addressed he was the lead character of like one of the leads of this movie and he's he died during the climax 
and there's still five minutes left of this movie, I feel like this should somewhat be addressed at least in a line of dialogue. But it, 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 he literally just kind of like has like this quiet acknowledgement with the soldier like next to him is like of of the silent exchange of like don't bother calling the medic he's already dead it's like at least say that rather than like that quiet exchange of like you shaking your head no to the soldier calling for a medic i mean if and also i really yeah sorry it was just also really funny as when ben died he gave off a wilhelm scream oh my god (laughs) yeah so um wait first wait before that like uh if like the head shake was more dramatic and there was like a dramatic like score, if there was still, again, that subtext of he's dead, I'm upset, but we can't, there's nothing to do about it. Let's keep going. Yeah, Like even just like a, a, like a brief, like musical cue of just like some like somber music before like ramp back up to the, the firefight between the military and the ants. Yeah. Like there, there needed to be the, they're it just they kind of just quickly moved on and that i yeah. thought was i kind of frustrating but well, well i mean i feel like they kind of had to because yes they're right like, there for, for for a movie at this time like this is this is a long movie for the time this was like well over 90 minutes um and so yeah i i felt like the the entire climax was kind of rushed because yeah. the movie went at a fairly like I guess I, I don't want to say slow pace because it did keep me interested and keep me invested throughout the entire movie, but uh, it 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 did kind of get to a point where like all right we need to finish this movie now so like the entire climax is like I don't know twelve minutes like that's that's a really like fast climax and as soon as like the the queen answered dead there's like one sentence said at the very end and then the movie's over. Yeah, I um I kind of thought the second act was honestly for me at the the slowest because it was just them following procedure and finding potential witnesses and figure you know like it was it was yeah chasing leads and all that yeah to me that was kind of the most boring part of the movie but once they kind of but it was like oh they find this which leads to this which leads to this and once they find like the drunk guy who probably was seeing these giant ants and then led them here. Like it, yeah. it definitely, obviously it was, I think the beginning was my favorite. I thought the ending was great. The middle was just kind of slow. And I think that would have been a little more interesting if there, the characters were more, more, more conflict. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. But for, for what it is, yeah. this is 100% a solid movie. It's a great like monster movie and it's a great way to kind of, delve into this like more or less this subgenre that kind of created the whole craze of like the monster movies and all of that. Yeah. Um, but um we gotta talk about that Wilhelm scream because it happened several <laughs> times and it's I throughout the climax. So, not even just the climax. I heard it a couple of times, definitely in the climax, but I heard it a couple times throughout the movie. Like and I was I I mean the thing about a Wilhelm scream if it happens like once in a movie and I know there's like that compilation video on YouTube of all <laughs> Will, every, every home screen. Yeah. And I think I just, that one's different because that one's becoming like, it's like a cliche and like a classic and it's it, in yeah. so many things. But I, I personally just, there's certain like sound effects or like a like human sound effects that I feel like I've heard so many times. <laughs> 
that it's honestly just becoming yeah. like, ugh. like a Willem screams almost. I feel like it's in a category of its own just because it's, it's like almost funny by this point. Yeah, hearing it like, and like that, and the uh, the I think it's called like the Howie scream, where it's like, yeah! like that one. Ah, uh, I I. I I th- like yeah. um, it, like I remember someone like did an edit of like replacing like the Tie Fighter sounds with the Howie scream, and it fit like way too perfectly, and it just makes me laugh way too much. There is this like these like baby cries. I think there's like one or two, there's like two. I think I've heard in like I've heard multiple times, and I know like where I would origin I've originally heard them, but then whenever I hear them in anything else, I'm like, it's just the same baby cry oh, over yeah. and over. There's no, two particular yeah, no, ones that I can hear. I've heard <laughs> the one in uh, like the baby sounds. I think there's like at least two different ones that I've heard a couple times um, in Hercules, the very beginning when he's a baby. And the other one is uh, when Shrek and Fiona arrive at like, far, <laughs> far away and everybody's in like shock that they're ogres and it's quiet and you just hear this baby crying. That's that other one that I hear all the time okay like, it's been a while since i've seen either yeah. of those movies but I, I i feel like i know what you're talking about um but before we kind of go off on another tangent yeah. but like what are your final thoughts on this movie um i enjoyed it i think it's yeah i agree for what it is it is really well done i think the, the story is really interesting it's not complete it's not like absurd as you would think with giant ants and even like some movies today where you got like just giant animal, whatever, they come off ridiculous or they're major, major B movies and they're just, you know, yeah. um, but they're, they're just, they're just made to get a paycheck. Yeah, but um, I did think this was, this was entertaining. It was, it was a fun movie. Um, I do think this is, I, this is a movie I would kind of say anyone could watch like last time we were pretty adamant about Nosferatu definitely not being for everyone and this um I I definitely if you're into especially if you're into horror or um any kind of monster movies I definitely would recommend it um it's it's not that scary it is more of like a mystery and like following leads as opposed to it being like you know, horror. Cause they only deal with the ants. They deal with them a couple times in the beginning and then the ending. They don't really deal with them a lot in the middle of the movie. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I definitely, I liked it. It was, it was, it was really enjoyable and it was, it was yeah. fun. Um, I, I 100% agree with that. I absolutely love this movie. I've, I've pretty much, I fell in love with it with like within like the first like 20 minutes when I watched this in like middle school, I was like probably like 12 or 13 at the time. Um, and yeah, I've, I've watched this multiple times since I, this is, I literally like had to wait for my dad. Cause he, he'd really wanted to watch this as well. When I told him we were doing this episode. Um, so it, it, it definitely does have like a soft spot, uh, for me as well. Um, but it, it is just a really solid movie. And yeah, if you're just like a casual, like creature feature kind of guy that just watches movies for like great creature effects, this is a great one to kind of get into because it's all practical because it's 1954. They didn't really have technology outside of claymation, stop motion animation to do something like this. Um, It's really fun. It's got a really engaging story. The characters are really fun to, to, to get to know when you do get to know them. 
Um, and it just, this movie was very influential and it's referenced uh, throughout pop, popular media, like every once in a while. Like um, I think like my, my favorite example of this being referenced is in the video game Fallout 3. There is a side quest where you have to deal with giant mutated fire ants oh. and the title of the mission is called those <laughs> and you come across as of this child running at you just screaming those 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 just like in the in this movie where like little girl comes out of her shock she's just screaming them over and over again oh yeah we didn't say um, that that's why it's called them because they get her out of her yes. uh her trance. trance and they and she's just like screaming them which i think is an interesting yeah, but- like not like they're coming or it's them, but just them, them. And I, and I kind of was wondering like, has she dealt with them before? Is that what she was screaming when like she, before she went into her shock? (laughs) I just, I just really like the title. (laughs) Yeah. No, just them. Cause it, it, it's like, well, what are them? Like, who is them? Like it, it's just them exclamation point. And it's just very, I, I I feel like it kind of gives off like a little bit of mystery as well, just in the title, which kind of adds to it because you don't know who or what yeah. them is. Um, so yeah, that, that's my thoughts on the movie. Definitely give it a watch. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, so in the meantime, uh, like share, subscribe, uh, give us a recommendation on Facebook, follow us on YouTube, Spotify, Facebook. Uh, wh- what else am I missing here, Sam? Uh, oh, Stitcher. Oh, yeah. Stitcher. Yeah. I keep forgetting about that one. Um, so yeah, um, definitely give us a recommendation and we will continue on with our history of horror uh, later on uh, throughout the rest of this month. Uh, I'm really excited. Definitely leave some comments and suggestions on other movies you want us to do as well. And in the meantime, I'm Kevin Tracy. I'm Santa Tomlinson, and this has been Movie Reel. Goodbye, everyone. Uh.